Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the Better Up Podcast for the first real week that we actually get to talk about players playing in baseball for the first time in a long time. Willie P. alongside Caleb Johnson and Joe Patrick. Hope you've enjoyed uh, the preamble to the baseball season. Uh, The Atlanta Braves, unfortunately, as you get going, have not necessarily enjoyed that part for them. We'll uh, get into it here on the Batter Up Podcast. We say hello, Caleb Johnson. I'm just here so I don't get fined. And hello to Joe Patrick. Hello. So, Braves could have had better starts to the return to play situation. You have four guys who test positive for COVID-19, including one of your best in Freddie Freeman, who also has symptoms, and you have two players opt out. This is going to have an effect on the Braves roster, at least to start. I think it would be ambitious to think that Freddie Freeman has recovered from his symptoms by the time we get started a couple of weeks from Friday, but I'll I'll start with Caleb. You know, I, I think this is something that we all kind of thought was a risk and, and, you know, people were talking about whether or not you have a season or not because of all the financial issues. But now it seems like people are starting to react negatively to all the stuff that we've been seeing in the news, especially when it comes to uh, the Braves having as many tests positive as they did. So it is one of those things where we are now seeing people, whether it's Braves players or Braves fans or just fans of the game in general, wake up a little bit and realize how serious this thing is. It It is partially strange to me that it has taken this for people to be like, oh, wow, this thing really needs to be taken seriously. But at the same time, for the players themselves, I have some understanding of why it is. it has come to me physically going to my job and seeing how much has changed and how... We've still not really figured this thing out. And so as far as when it comes to the guys, those, you know, Marcakis and Felix Hernandez who have opt out, I can't blame them because they they aren't stuck having to work. They've made their money in the past, even though, you know, it's it's not all financial, but they've made their money in the past. And so they've got to focus on their health. And I think that is the one thing that obviously we're, we're a Braves podcast. And so we're going to talk about the nitty gritty of figuring out what to do once these guys, you know, now that these guys are gone. But these guys are, they're people. They're real people. They're Americans who are trying to, to figure out amongst this virus that hasn't gotten any better in our country. 
Something that's been interesting to me to hear kind of what they've been saying in these press conferences is that they admit that 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 they didn't really understand what it was going to be like until you actually get in the building and experience it for yourself. So like when it comes to doing all these safety protocols, having the test done, having things spaced out, having to wash your hands, having to have your own bag of baseballs to bring around, all this stuff, everything in those 113 pages might sound fine and well when you're reading it in a document. But then when you actually have to go live that experience, I think it hits you a different way. And that's kind of like a lot of what I got from uh, talking to when we got to talk to Nick Marcakis, when Brian Snicker talked about Felix Hernandez as well. You know, like Felix Hernandez came the first day and was, you know, threw aside, <laughs> you know, and he pitched well. Uh, Snit said he chatted with him a little bit and you know, didn't know. And then later that night, he's opting out because, you know, you just don't know how guys are going to react to these situations. And it's totally human reactions to have. And you, of course, when you think about the situation involving Nick Markakis, it, it takes away a significant bat that you thought might have been a part of the, the Braves' DH rotation. Uh, you mentioned that conversation, Joe, with the reporters at Markakis. There's a little bit of what he had to say about why he was opting out. You know, I love the game. Uh, I love uh, competing every day. But the biggest thing, you know, my decision is, you know, we play this game for the fans. And, you know, to be able to go out there on a daily basis and compete and entertain for them, you know, that's what it's all about. And uh, to have to go out there and not have them part of that. and So that is sort of something that we were looking at, Joe, as I don't want to say – you kind of had a problem with him saying it this particular way, but I'm wondering just from, from your perspective, what about that particular situation did you, I guess, have an issue with him saying as far as referencing the fans there as his reason for not playing? Well, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's like I have an issue. What I, what I really think is that, and again, he said it, so who knows? Maybe he really does just think that not having fans in the stands really is like, so against his idea of baseball that he can't proceed that way. But he did come to the stadium and did want to participate for at least these first couple games when he knew there was these first couple days when he knew there was not going to be baseball. So really how I felt was that, and it's sad, I feel like that is used as a crutch to an extent because guys don't feel fully comfortable admitting that they are so psychologically uncomfortable being there because of the situation that's caused by the virus. And I, it, it, that's sad to me because you wish that guys could feel like they had a opportunity to speak openly and freely and, and kind of be vulnerable to an extent. And I feel like Markakis has always been one of those guys who's, who doesn't want to show those vulnerabilities, especially like personally and emotionally. So I think that just using the fans there just to me, it felt like a crutch. It didn't like feel quite right. I was more just, in my mind, the situation that involves Mark Kakis, like, you're allowed to be selfish. Like, you're allowed to be selfish about right, this. Right, And that's the part of well, it that I don't get. And, and I, I just don't understand why people are just are coming down on him, number one, and number two, why he doesn't feel like he can say, hey, I want to do this to protect myself and my family. Like, I, not wanting to be sick is a valid concern, no? So... I guess it's interesting that you hit, Will, on the fact of, of being selfish because, sure, like this is his life that he has to live. He has a family that he has to worry about, all of these things. And so, sure, he gets to be selfish. But I 
I didn't love this answer that he gave when it comes when it came to you know the fans actually being in the stands because to me that came off as as selfish in a in a weird way because fans are still going to be there they're just going to be at home they're right. still going to be watching those games they're now sure they'll miss out on the live aspect but we're only doing that because we're trying to essentially save as many lives and and avoid as much risk as possible so it seemed oddly selfish that well I don't want to play because fans won't be there well you don't put fans into consideration when you're negotiating your contract or whether it comes to you know Joe you've talked about it before the players association negotiating with the owners fans don't really come in to to play when it comes to to that sort of thing it's you know the, it's each person against himself and then how many workers are are missing out if the game ends up not being played that they're financially attached to things where fans their fans are paying to be there my i guess my brain always goes to and and maybe because it somewhat affects me as well is the the workers who are missing out the ushers the support staff who aren't able to to you know, make their livelihood because of no fans in the stands. That's what just the whole thing about fans not being there went into Marcakis's decision seemed strange. And I, I hope it was a cover up, even though in a weird way, I hope I would wish he could speak his mind freely. It just, I don't know. It struck me as odd. Yeah. Heard, uh, totally. Go ahead, Joe. Well, yeah. I mean, I, again, I think it's like, it's a convenient crutch to be there for guys who don't want to say how they really feel, you know, and that's sad to me. But see, that's yeah, Marcakis, Marcakis in the past has felt the, I guess he's had the ability to speak his mind. I'm trying to remember what the big issue was not that long ago with, uh, was it, was it somebody that got hit by a pitch or something like that? And like he was Marcakis. I think he was big on the Acuna thing. Um, he yeah, was, he had a strong opinion about that. Yeah, where he was like, you know, essentially we should throw at them or we should fight them, kind of, kind of deal. Like, I guess in the past I felt like he spoke in his mind freely. This just seemed like a strange thing that I, I wish he would have expounded on a little bit more. Well, I, I and again I think that it's because of the nature of the of the real fact of the situation which is that it's like a personal vulnerability that he does not want to expose you know, he's always been this guy who has this such a hard shell around him yeah you know sure. and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to emit any sort of weakness or um or struggles and this is exactly what that is and again it's perfectly understandable we've all been having our own struggles and, and going through our own doubts and and fears over this virus so it's totally a human reaction i don't blame him for um deciding to opt out of the season one bit but it's just it's just the nature of sports guys are going to want to be like that in front of the media and it's just unfortunate of all the things that uh, he did reference the one that i think was most powerful was the conversation he had with freddie freeman after finding out that he had tested positive for covid19 and was having the kind of symptoms he he was I think the biggest thing is uh, I talked to Freddie Freeman the other day and, you know, just he hearing the way he sounded on the phone kind of opened my eyes and, uh, you know, Freddie didn't sound good. You know, I hope he's doing good. I hope he's healthy. I know these guys need him more than anybody. And, uh, you know, just to hear him, the way he sounded on the phone, um, 
you know, it was tough. It was kind of eye-opening, and uh, with everything that's going on, you know, not just in baseball, but in the world, it, it makes you open your eyes. I got three kids that I've missed for, you know, 11 years now. And that's a little bit from Nick Markakis after he explained uh, his decision to opt out. And that's th- uh, th- there's there's two things that have bothered me with this. Number one, the people who get on, the guys who are opting out. Because, again, I, I hate to use the word selfish. I'm not trying to sound callous, but I'm saying it's okay to be selfish. And number two, the people who are connecting a positive test automatically with irresponsibility. From all accounts, and you have to kind of take Freddie at his word here, he made it sound like he was doing all the diligent things, you know, with a family of young children and people in his in his life that uh, he did not want to risk getting exposure to uh, the virus. He was... Basically, like I said, doing all the right things, and it just comes again and proves this thing that, again, I I say it all the time with the three of us, none of us are epidemiologists, but we read a lot of the same things everybody else does, and from what I can gather, there are a lot of people doing the right things and being diligent, and they're still getting sick because they're trying to live their lives and, and, and curtail any opportunity to get that virus as much as possible, but it still happens. Yeah, in in Freddie Freeman's case, you know, he had been staying out in California, which is where his he's originally from. That's where his offseason house is, and then so he left from California to come back to Atlanta, and then he tests positive in Atlanta. So that positive test essentially means, especially at that point, he wasn't feeling symptoms, and then he well, maybe not harsh symptoms, but then he started feeling them a little bit harsher later. Uh, that me- means to me, and I think medical science would say this, that he contracted the virus sometime recently, you know, right? When when he tests positive, when he before his positive test, probably within five to ten days or so. So it probably could have happened between um, his move. You know, when you have to do things, go through airports, whatever it is, uh, going from California to to Georgia. You know, just when you're in that situation, you're going to have more contact with people. So that potentially is how he got it but yeah i mean it's it's a tough it's a tough situation and i wrote a little bit about this i, I would recommend anybody go uh read it on 929thegame.com uh, our website um just about how we kind of react to this because every time a, a positive covid test comes out especially when it's a player as uh popular and important as freddie freeman you get this huge uh range of responses especially obviously online of like either on one end of the spectrum it's okay thank god he'll be uh immune for the for the course of the season um or it's on the other end of the spectrum which is that this is all immoral we have to shut down the entire thing um this is irresponsible and so i i think it's there's there is some sort of middle ground but you know it's how how we find that middle ground is not necessarily going to be unanimous like everybody's going to have their own thought on it and brian snicker has said you know he feels safer uh at the braves facility with knowing everybody around him has been tested and that they have all these protocols in place and he does go into the grocery store and getting a gallon of milk and you know all of us are living in a in an environment where there's some level of risk so starting the season for the braves you will not be uh you will be basically without freddie freeman we assume and then of course the other players tested positive which are tuki toussaint Will Smith and Pete Cosma. Cosma was training with the satellite group anyway, so he wasn't necessarily projected to be on the opening 30-man roster. Of course, the two guys who opted out, both Felix Hernandez and Nick Marcakis, not on the roster. 
Uh, Caleb, where do we go from here? How does that affect the rotation, the pitching staff, and ultimately who plays first base to start right now for Atlanta? I'm, first off, I'm glad you asked me specifically about first base because I did a little research this past week to figure out where the Braves will pro- most likely lean, where they might start off in a, in a specific direction and then pivot a little bit. At least I think they will, in my opinion. When it comes to who's going to play, it's it's the old coaches saying, next man up. You know, I, I mean, it's honestly, that's what it is. It's next man up. However, when you look into take out my little handy dandy notes i've got here i like the grovelly voice you did for next man up that's good very coachy yeah next man up no but i i mean how many of the three of us how many of you have have been at a press conference where so and so is out for an extended amount of time who's going to next man up mentality that's a a will muschamp special yeah so all right i i think you look at four different guys when it comes to playing first base you have the option of Austin Riley, who we heard uh, Brian Snicker name. He per- he personally named Austin Riley as a guy who played first base in spring. You had Nick Markakis, who you thought that might be a person that they go to. He's no longer there. So then you have Adam Duvall, who we expected to play out in the outfield. Uh, and then Johan Camargo, who is obviously kind of that utility guy that goes around. Well, I I looked up some statistics, and when it comes to Austin Riley, yes, he did play first base some in spring, although I I couldn't find the specific number of times that he played. Uh, Maybe someone else can. But as far as playing during the regular season, 2019 being his his first full season, he played six games at first base, and he started three of those games. So it's like, okay, he has a little bit of experience there. That makes a little bit of sense. Go over to Johan Camargo. In 2019, Johan Camargo played one game at first base in which he came in. Um, he didn't He didn't start the game at first base. He came in to, to relieve uh, Freddie Freeman. Then you have Adam Duvall, who for the Braves has never played first base. But when he was with the Reds back in 2018, he played 10 games. And he had five starts. And then in his total career, he's played 43 games at first base, 27 starts. So the guy I'm looking to to start at first base is is Adam Duvall. Because, I, yes, Austin Riley can play the position. But I think you had a plan at the, at the beginning of spring training of what you were going to do with Austin Riley and Johan Camargo. And you should you should stick with that. And so that is leaving Austin over it towards third base or maybe playing some outfield swapping between Johan Camargo. But as far as those first couple of weeks that I expect to have Freddie Freeman out, I, I just see Adam Duvall as that guy. Yeah, I, no I, Peter I think... O'Brien, no Peter O'Brien for anybody. <laughs> Absolutely not. I had to get his, Absolutely to get his no. name in. No, because that's no. my guy. Stop it. <laughs> uh, thank you for doing that research, Caleb. That is uh, very handy for us. And, and I, I agree with you. I think it's either going to be Duvall um, or Riley. I gotta definitely see Riley just because you want to get him at bats anyway. I do not think, you know, the Braves have Yonder Alonso, who, who's obviously a first baseman uh, on the roster on this player pool. But I don't see them, like, trying to squeeze him in just because he's a quote-unquote first baseman, like – what you're you're going to want to get your best hitters in the, in the lineup especially you're not going to play somebody who's a natural at first base just because um 
just because, you know, uh, so instead means, of trying to get a better bat in there. So that means Riley plays either third base or DH in your mind, guys? Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, Brian Snicker going into last season, he had all these big plans for Johan Camargo as being this super utility player, right? He's going to play all these different positions. We've heard this conversation a million times. And Brian Snicker kind of admitted that it was not a good idea. It didn't work out and didn't want. he kind of, to me, sounded like he didn't want to try that again. But I don't know if he has any other option this year with uh, with Austin Riley specifically. Like If he's going to play him and get him regular at-bats, I don't see how he's just going to be able to lock him into one position the entire season and be able to like just play him there. I think he's going to have to move around the team He's going to have to shift guys around quite a bit, and especially if you have a DH and you have a packed schedule like the Braves do have, especially to start the season, you're going to want to shift guys around to be able to utilize the DH, give some guys some days off when they need them in in the field, and that would probably require moving some guys around in the field. So I could I could see Austin Riley playing some first base, some third base. I, eventually, Freeman's going to get back, so that first base role is going to get filled. But you know, there's going to be guys who need to play various positions. Uh, you know. Day in, day out. Who is the biggest winner with Felix Hernandez opting out? Isn't that name pretty obvious? I'm. Um, I just wanted someone else to say it, not nah, me. I mean, it it is Sean Newcomb, and it and it's weird though. I will like I will say phrasing it as and I and obviously will you didn't mean it this way, but no, phrasing no, 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 no. it yeah, but phrasing it as like someone being a winner. Like this all just really sucks because <laughs> uh, when when I was doing Sports Flashes uh, last. Uh, it may have been Monday or Friday. I can't remember. Yeah, it, it would have had to have been Monday because that was after yes, the news yeah. came out. Yeah, uh, my days are blending <laughs> together with my work schedule. But so I I threw out I this phrasing of the Braves 2020 World Series hopes took a slight hit, and while that that might seem drastic because well Felix was you know proposed at best to be a fifth uh, you know fifth man starter. And, you know, Marcakis was a, a role player, you know, not that. Im- but those guys matter. Like, those mm-hmm. things matter, especially when you thought you had them solidified. I mean, Brian Snicker came out, I believe it was Thursday or Friday, and said the decisions that they made in spring or at the end of when they had to split up and, and you know, shut everything down for the coronavirus, that those decisions he made back then were carrying over to the games that they're getting, you know, this mini summer camp that they're going to play and then the regular season. So you have to imagine it stayed true that Felix Hernandez was going to be that fifth man and Brian Snicker and his coaching staff had plans for Sean Newcomb, but now that's all having to shift. So it, it is Sean Newcomb, I think, will get his wish to to be in that starting rotation. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, Sean Newcomb, good. I, I think he now is in the pole position to kind of be one of those rotation guys. But I just, it does, it, it's a pretty significant impact for the Braves because it throws off, I think, a lot of the plans they had for this piggybacking situation. You had it as it stood before, it kind of was working out pretty well. Like you had five starters and three piggybackers who could kind of rotate in. Um, maybe you would want to have like four guys who could, who could go long, especially early in the season. But, you lost uh, one of those guys too to the virus too, and Tuki Toussaint as well. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Tuki obviously as a former starting pitcher. So yeah, you it, it's really affecting you. I think that yeah, you, know, you talked about Sean Newcomb. I think just generally speaking, 
this is an opportunity for a lot of these Braves young pitchers. Obviously, we've been talking about Kyle Wright a lot, and he's obviously going to play a role in all this. But even further down the line from him, when you talk about a guy like Bryce Wilson, who Mm -hmm. obviously struggled in his time at the majors last year, um, needs to work on his slider, but he's kind of like a fastball changeup guy who just needs that third pitch to be effective enough for him to make those other two pitches work better. Joe, you're not ready to give up on him yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got one. Somebody tweeted at me saying they never want to see Bryce Wilson pitch in in, in a Braves uniform again after like four four starts starts. (laughs) Um, but he has an opportunity and then also of course Ian Anderson the top pitching prospect in the pipeline I think that he now has a very realistic chance to pitch himself into contention he's going to have to do it through impressing coaches um, and his best opportunity to do that's going to be in this camp because his best opportunity is going to be while they have this 30-man roster open you know those that's going to be the best opportunity for these young guys to get on the roster but these guys now have a chance well, my biggest question, and I'm glad you brought up Ian Anderson, Joe, is which of those two big prospects, your biggest position player prospect and your biggest pitching prospect, has a bigger impact on this season for the Braves? Is it Ian Anderson or is it Christian Pache? I think it's Christian Pache. And I've, I've, been, I've kind of been on this boat now for a few you weeks. Have. But especially, especially now with the Marcakis news, it kind of opens a slot, a natural slot in the outfield for someone like him. And again, I keep on going back to his outfield defense and the Braves, like he's kind of one of their best options out there as a defensive center fielder. Uh, you know, and when you obviously Ender and Ciarte, people always point to the gold glove that he won a couple years ago. But honestly, last year, I was not impressed with him uh, in the outfield. Obviously, he had some injury uh, issues earlier early in the season and then obviously at the tail end of the season but when he was starting to play more regularly I just like he, he didn't look this like the same guy to me in the outfield he didn't look like he had the same kind of range he was making some simple mistakes that he hadn't made in the past and I just think a guy like Pache in a season like this where you've got so many opt-outs from so many teams I just think it's like a, a prime opportunity to get him in the fold and and and, and just let him start his career with Honestly, I feel like this is kind of a low-pressure situation this season. So I would love to see him get in the fold, and I think he has a great opportunity to do it now with Marquecas out. Joe, you uh, you better watch it there talking about my guy Ender. <laughs> he, he's one that that I, I obviously I, I know the play on the field is one thing, but he's always just been like one of the, the nicest guys as far yeah. as in the clubhouse. And for whatever reason, that's just – what my brain tends to do when I form opinions about players is if you're uh, just a kinder person, I am more willing to deal with your ups and downs than if you're a complete jerk. If you're a complete right. jerk, totally. I'm going to write you off and you're terrible and going to be out of the league, all that kind of stuff. But but no, when it, I, I do believe you are correct. Because the interesting thing with Christian Pache is I, I – don't know how all of this is going to work with service time, but I don't think Pache would have gotten the the service time this season like he's going to get now, which could help him in, in future contracts and that kind of thing. And, and it's almost kind of handcuffed the Braves that they don't have a choice but to use him because he's he's going to be such a, a great asset and Mark Hakus is gone. So there's that, that nat, like you said, the natural void. 
Yeah, you can't really fudge with the Super 2 stuff this year because of the fact that, like you said, the service time stuff is is going to be a bit peculiar. And I'm curious to see if one or both of them get more opportunities as a result of that. Uh, we did get the schedule late last night from Major League Baseball. Uh, they will start out in New York taking on the Mets. They will play seven of their first 11 against New York, three at home, and then four at Truist Park as part of that opening six-game homestand, which also includes the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, you get two sets of two-game series against the Yankees, a pair of three-game sets against the Boston Red Sox. You see the Nationals for the first time August the 17th, and then you get a big dose of them with six games, or excuse me, seven games in the month of September, and you get the Marlins for a four-game set also in that stretch. You finish out the season with seven at home, four against Miami, and then the concluding three against Boston. What did you guys make of what we saw from the schedule release uh, on Monday? I'm going to go Mike Francesa again. And that's a win. That's a loss. That's a win. So that's a win. That's pull, a loss. Yeah. That's a win. That's a loss. So, so pulling, pulling up the schedule, I don't know if it's naive of me because there's obviously so many different things. I, I mean, quite honestly, I am in the headspace of there's still two. We're still two weeks away from the season actually getting started. So is this even is this even going to actually happen or is it all going to blow up in our faces before Don't we get there? Don't give me that pessimistic activity hey, there, I'm Caleb. sorry. I'm sorry, man. It, it look, it pops up in the back of my head and it doesn't go away. As far as looking at the schedule itself, it feels very conducive to a successful season just because to me anyways, it seems like some of the the most difficult games are are right there in the middle like as much as you can have a quote-unquote light schedule to get started with, uh, I know the the Mets are nothing to play with, but at the same time, they aren't the Phillies and they aren't the Yankees and they aren't the defending, you know, the defending World Series champs, Nationals, that is going to take up the bulk of that middle of the schedule, and then I think to end with as many games as you can against the Marlins is a good thing. And then a little, little tough right there at the end, going out with um, uh, with the Red Sox. The greatest. Couple, go ahead, Joe. Well, I was going to say a couple things that stand out to me that I think are important. The Braves uh, have their their first twenty games. They will not have an off day, so that I think is important, um, especially considering these guys are not going to be in the normal game shape that they normally would be in after a regular spring training. So I think that that's important. But it's also important that they end the season with a seven game homestand against. Very winnable games against the Marlins and Red Sox. Who knows how the Red Sox are going to be at that point in the season, but you certainly would think that the Marlins would be an easy way to close it out. So like kind of like Caleb said, you know, you kind of have um, things staged in a way for you that you feel like could be conducive, but obviously who knows with all this stuff. Well, the other thing about the – because we honestly – we typically think of the Red Sox as this powerhouse. I mean, they just won the World Series a couple years ago, but they are a shell yeah. of their former selves as far as Mookie Betts leaving – uh, David Price leaving, uh, Chris Sale having Tommy John surgery. Like, they are not the team on paper that we expected them to be, you know, just towards the end of last season. The middle part of that schedule is what stands out to me, where you basically get your entire uh – your, your entire season that you play the Phillies, you play them basically all in, a, in that little four- to five-week stretch there uh, throughout August. That You get the Red Sox in there, your first crack at Washington, and then your pair of two-game series against the Yankees. Uh, I also look at that, that long road trip where you have 
looks like nine games away from Truist Park, four at the Phillies, two at the Yankees, and three at the Marlins. And I'm not necessarily saying that the Marlins thing is tough. It's just that comes at the end of that stretch that Joe mentioned that has the 20 games without an off day. You finally get that off day and the travel day going from Yankee Stadium to Miami. But by that point, you could possibly lose one or two of those Marlin games just because of you know attrition and, and, and fatigue. Or injuries. Like, that's the, the, that's the one thing. Now, granted, we have, you know, guys that are opting out. But then there are just natural injuries that happen. And when you're playing so many consecutive games, you just – Snickers is – he's going to – you know, he's going to earn his pay this year by all of the decisions he's going to have to make in such a condensed amount of time. I, I, just, hope have- we, I just hope we get that first game, man. <laughs> Yeah, yes, like, let's just get that first game in, and then let's uh, kind of worry about the rest of it. That's kind of my uh, mentality right now. We did have something from the uh, Batter Up podcast mailbag. I we do got know. a ma- yeah, oh yeah. Ooh. We have the uh, first first uh, entry in here in the in the mailbag. This is for uh, our this is for Joe. Do you think Newcomb will be in the rotation? Also, you think Riley will now play every day? We kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, but just to to re emphasize it joe i believe that we are kind of of the consensus that both those things are going to happen yeah definitely definitely think those things will happen and again i think riley will play every day but i think riley's going to be one of those guys i think he'll play most days i I, you know he'll get some days off everybody will but um yeah i think he's going to be i think he's going to have to adjust to be playing some different positions this year I, i just don't see a way that he's just going to be locked into either third base or left field or wherever it is before we do get out of here, because I know we are getting close to, to running out of time, or maybe we passed it, who knows. One thing I did want to mention is the fact of, I think something that Sean Doolittle, relief pitcher for the Nationals this past week, he said something so profound that I think it, it's one of those we need to give more attention to, and he's he said a lot of profound, profound things recently, but the one this past week was... Sports are like the reward of a functioning society, and we're trying to just bring it back even though we've taken none of the steps to flatten the curve, whatever you want to say. We didn't flatten, we did flatten the curve a little bit, but we didn't use that time to do anything productive. We just opened back up for Memorial Day. But I, that first part, I think, is, is so important. The sports are like the reward of a functioning society. So people who want baseball back, please help. <laughs> and and the work that we need to get baseball to come back to have these guys feel comfortable to want to play is everybody essentially doing their part i think that's a good way to end uh, if you do have questions for us for our better up podcast mailbag you can find us on twitter i am at willie p style joe patrick is at ja patrick 200 caleb is at atl johnson 18 make sure to download the batter of podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast we'll be back next week as we continue to count you down to the start of the brave season which is july the 24th when they head to new york to take on the new york mets for joe patrick and caleb johnson i'm willie p saying thanks for listening to batter up a radio.com and 92.9 the game exclusive this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.